What's up, Freedom Jumpers? Welcome to episode 54 of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Love that new tagline, man. That one really hits. My guest for this episode is Mr. Corey Schnabel from Kansas City KC Insurance Group in Kansas City, Missouri. Corey has spent time on both sides of the distribution uh, meridian, uh, the equator, if you will. Uh, he was an Allstate producer, then an Allstate agency principal, and then an independent agency principal. He is an absolute monster in the referral game. Uh, you can learn, we can all learn from him on the tactics that he deploys with loan officers and realtors uh, in his agency. This is a two-part episode. I'm very pleased to bring you the first one here today, and we will follow up a few months from now with part two. Uh, Corey has uh, been going through an acquisition, spoiler alert, I should say, uh, going through an acquisition. Uh, this year, and he is going to share the rest of that story as he is able to. Uh, but there is plenty of meat on the bone leading up uh, to where Corey is with current events. Uh, I'm very excited to hear uh, from this highly accomplished captive and independent agent on this episode. So before we begin, I have the same three requests I always do. Please subscribe to AFP on the platform of your choice. Drop us a review. Uh, wherever you listen to us. And lastly, and most importantly, please share AFP with someone in your circle who is still in captivity, either from the carriers they represent or tired, stale, outdated ways of thinking and operating. Uh, we are 100% free on this podcast. No pitch, no upsell. We always will be so. So kick back, relax, enjoy yourself with episode 54. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome to episode 54 of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And I am really excited about this conversation uh, with my man, Corey Schnabel from Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. You're on the right side of the state line. So uh, we are we are going to dive all the way in uh, to the first part of Corey's story. And 
you know, he is in the middle of a very interesting transition in his career and his agency uh, that is still playing out. So I'm going to set you up with a little bit of a cliffhanger right now. Uh, at some point later this year, hopefully, uh, once some of these details get wrapped up, we'll have Corey back uh, to talk about part two of the story. Uh, he has gone through uh, a, an acquisition and he's going to share all about uh, the details of that and, and provide some context and best practices on what you need to know uh, if you're ever in an acquisition situation on the buying or the selling side for that matter. So we're going to have a hard stop uh, when we get to that part of the story. But if you've ever seen anything from Corey on social, he can he can throw some haymakers without ever talking about anything that's going on currently. He's been a keynote speaker at IAOA's Innovation Conference and he's been a monster in the personal lines game, in the referral game, for a lot of years. But he started off, as he'll tell us here in just a second, as a captive agent, just like I did way back in the day. So, Corey Schnabel, Kansas City, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to this. All right, so Corey, why don't you kick us off, man? Get us started with your backstory. You started off as, a, as an Allstate agent, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, you know, give us the, the, the origin story. Uh, how'd you get rolling in this insurance game? Yeah, great question. Um, 2007 ish college graduate, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Had a great college buddy who said, I'm buying an Allstate agency. Why don't you come work for me? You can make about 40 grand your first year. I mean, to a 23 year old kid, I was like, that's a lot of money. You know, maybe I can make 45 and really, you know, blow the roof off this thing. Um, so hopped in with Allstate in 08. Liked it. Um, I really liked the relationship, the value. The I didn't feel like a salesman selling insurance, which I kind of always hated salesmen. Um, 14 years later, I'm a salesman, right? So um, I just liked the fact that it allowed me to do what came natural to me, and that's talking with people and building relationships and establishing rapport. And at the end, they were saying yes before you even asked them to buy anything. So um, Allstate, we bought a second agency in 2009 um, that the plan was always for me to buy that within about three to five years from him. After about six months of me running one agency, him running the other, I was kind of tired of working for the man, for lack of better words, and said, you know, why don't I just buy this now? And so went to the bank, uh, got approved for a loan, and bought my first Allstate agency in May of 2010. Um, really, At the age really of like, what, like 24? <laughs> um 2010, I was born eight, so I was 27 at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so I was able to buy an agency and it was a small book, you know, but it, I learned a lot of the ropes of how to fail at business and how to succeed at business, you know. And, and one thing I've, I've said probably a hundred times is that Allstate really taught me how to sell insurance at a high level. They taught me product knowledge. They taught me everything I need to know about liability and no fault and, and PIP insurance and just the stuff that's ingrained in you. But when it comes to running a business, I didn't know what to do, you know? And so to your point, I was 27 and one of all states requirements was you had to show $50,000 liquid capital in the bank. And I didn't have 50 grand. I probably didn't have five grand to my name. So I did what any smart person would do. I borrowed money from my dad. I put it in my bank. I showed Allstate I had 50 grand. As soon as they signed off on it, I gave it back to my dad. And I opened my first Allstate agency with $10,000. Um, smart way to go dad good job yeah right help you know let's screw the system good job dad um get your son in debt by, by helping him get there so um 2010 starts i you know kick it off i do my own thing i hire some employees i 
really start learning my path. You know, one of Allstate's big things back then was there was a technology called RoboAgent that would essentially robocall people or they were really big on mailers. They were really big on internet leads. And, you know, being 26, 27, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, of course, you know, I'm paying $600 for this internet lead campaign or I'm paying $400 for this mailer campaign. And as this is going on, I'm growing, but it, it starts to kind of separate that I'm realizing, hey, you know, when my best friend who's a mortgage lender sends me a lead, I write that in like 10 minutes and I'm not calling these people 17 times and emailing them and, you know, getting kind of beat up over $2. And so, it, you know, natural attrition, for lack of better words, kind of happened where it's like, man, I'm going to start focusing on just working with these real estate agents and mortgage lenders because even if I only get 15 or 20 leads a month, I'm writing eight or 10 of them versus buying, you know, $500, $600 with the internet leads that are just price shoppers and they're people you got to chase down for payments. And so I really just kind of saw the difference of the path I wanted to take. You know, I mean, it, the way I kind of equated is work harder, you know, to not work smarter on those internet leads, you know, because they were kind of the fab back then. You could get them for 12, 15 bucks, you know, and everybody took pride in winning those because it took them six or eight phone calls to knock these out. And you were calling everybody in town, competing with everybody in town, excuse me, the American yep. family agent. So long story short, I really realized like that's not the game I want to be in. Like I don't want to kind of do that. So turned and focused my attention on mortgage lenders, real estate agents, wealth planners, trust attorneys, just people that once again, I could just be natural with, you know, that we could go grab lunch and talk about the Royals, the Chiefs, Nebraska football, whatever, whatever was of interest, you know, and it became very clear to me at an early age that People want to work with people. It's just that simple. You know, if they've got to refer somebody out, they want to know that at the end of the day, like we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're going to treat their clients with respect. And we're just going to have that high business acumen to kind of point them in the right direction. So, you know, something we've kind of undercut throughout is like I started in 2008. You know, everybody knows 2008 is when that housing bubble burst. So, I mean, we're talking about. I'm trying to sell people insurance that are losing their houses, losing their cars, just lost their jobs, have lost 40% of their money in the market. So yeah. at the time, being young and dumb, I didn't realize it, but I really think it helped carve me into a good salesperson because at that point in time, you couldn't sell on price because A, you're captive. So the price is the price, right? And these people are literally in shambles because of what's going on. So it really, you have to learn how to make it more about, Hey, it's $200 a month. Right. So, um, and that was all just by happenstance. You know, I had no idea, you know, in 2008, I probably couldn't even sell or spell economy or stock market. So I didn't really know what was going on, but it helped me get in there. It helped me cut my teeth. So, mm -hmm. you know, you fast forward a few years in all state and I was doing well, you know, I mean, it's just, I was growing, I was hitting, you know, their inner council, chamber i mean whatever these captive carriers call it yeah. anymore you know the the two-week trips around the world um and kind of much like my most recent acquisition i wasn't for sale but in 2013 i got a phone call that essentially said it was a, from a corporate manager who had seen my numbers and said hey i want to relocate back to overland park kansas can i buy your agency i said no thank you he said can i have coffee with you i said sure and I sold my agency. <laughs> it was that easy. You know, like I, uh, he came in there, you know, and uh, just said, you know, I kind of told my wife, hey, if, if he offers me X, I really, really got to do this. And he came in here and offered me way more than X, you know, and keep in mind, this was a 
$900,000 premium book of business, right? So we're not talking about some huge deal. You know, I think the sales price on that was 3x revenue. Um, and I was ecstatic, you know. I mean, for an Allstate office, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, we ran we ran high retention, good close ratios. And it was the type of business we had. You know, it was one of those things that don't show up on the reports and the metrics. But it's like, this is sticky business. This isn't internet yeah. lead business. This isn't click for quote business. So that was one of those things that we communicated and they saw. And it actually was a great partnership. I ran the agency for the guy for about a year and a half. Um he was a hundred percent corporate back end. He loved to deal with Excel charts and read reports. I absolutely hated that. I wanted to be client facing. I wanted to be out at golf tournaments and lunch and learns and stuff like that. So it was a really, really good partnership. Uh, Sweet. So fast forward to 2015, my contract with him was ending 1231, 2015. So the summer of 2015, I started pinging some other, um, carrier partners. You know, we reached out to travelers and Safeco and nationwide and, um, of course, we got kind of shut down by all of them right away. Like, no, we don't really give scratch agents contracts. But me and my business partner, who I went into KC Insurance Group with originally, um, had great numbers at Allstate. So when we sat down with our travelers rep, you know, we kind of we saw that they were interested, right? Like, not to stroke our own ego, but they, we saw that they're like, okay, these if these guys can sell that much business at Allstate, what can they do on this side? So. It was kind of a domino effect. You know, Travelers gave us a contract and the Nationwide heard that Travelers gave us a contract. So Safeco gave us a contract and we opened the doors uh, 1-1-2016 with seven direct contracts. You know, and in Kansas City, we had the top seven in the market, right? Like, so we knew from day one, we didn't want to be the carrier with 30 different or the agency with 30 different carriers. We just knew it's yeah. that wasn't our target demographic of client. And if you can't put them with Safeco Nationwide Travelers, you know, and the other three we had, they probably didn't really fit our business model. Uh, Who? Uh, I'm just curious, just for your market there in Kansas City, what what were the other four? We all know what uh, the what the usual suspects are, but it, what what was the top seven? Obviously, three of them you just mentioned. Yep. What were the other four? Um, so, Travelers, Safeco, Nationwide, Encompass, Progressive slash ASI. Uh, is that six? Mm-hmm. I think so. It's either five or six. I can't. Oh, care. and nationwide private client. We were able to snag nationwide private client. Nice. Um, so those were our carriers. Down the road, we added auto owners. I think one other one. But I was curious yes. if auto owners was in the mix there. It's AO is not active in Texas at all, so we're not terribly familiar with them. But obviously, everybody that I know that that has them is is generally a big fan of theirs. Yeah, they're they're very intimate. You know, they they. They don't just give out their contracts. It's kind of more of like a blessing type thing. If you get their contract, it's like, okay, you've done something to kind of perk the ears of this small little, you know, mutual company. It's a big mutual company, essentially, is what it boils down to. So, yeah. Um, well, thanks for that. Ahead. I just I figured it'd be useful for for people to understand what you meant by the the top seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's that's all we really wanted in Kansas City. There was like Kemper and. Um, maybe one or two others would have been nice to have. But like I said, if we couldn't put people with those seven carriers, they probably weren't our ideal demographic. Um, And so we kind of came to this, you know, chest puffed out. Hey, you know, look, we did it all state. We're going to turn this market upside down. And the first six weeks were freaking hard. Like, I mean, there's no way around it. It was really, really hard because like an idiot, we hired two people to start day one that had no sales insurance, no sales experience and no insurance experience. So on top of me and this other Allstate crony trying to learn travelers and Safeco and Nationwide and 
easy links. We were trying to train two new people to just go out and sell insurance. And so it was just, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts the first six weeks. Um, but looking back on it, it was so good. You know, uh, you'll probably, if you, if you've heard me done these other podcasts, I usually reference Kristen a lot. Kristen was my right hand woman day one, um, former stay at home mom, no insurance experience, no sales experience. And then you fast forward to today and she writes seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars in premium a year. And that's kind of, I think, the the model that I really think more people don't quite understand is that, you know, this at the time, 2016, I mean, she was probably 29, 30 years old. She didn't know anything and she had instant success and she had instant success purely because she didn't make it about herself and insurance. She made it about people want to work with people, you know, so for the first three, four, five, six months. She was deathly afraid of going out and grabbing coffees, grabbing lunches, grabbing happy hours, doing whatever, because she was so afraid that mortgage lender A was going to say, hey, can you tell me about this coverage with travelers, right? And she soon learned that, like, they don't care, right? Like, they, like you know, the lender, the wealth planner, the whatever, they literally don't care about any of that. They just want to know that if they link you up with the client, you're going to answer that client's questions, you're going to take care of them, and you're going to keep them happy. That's all they care about. Yep. So once she learned that and just learned, hey, you know, I just need to go get coffee with these guys and make them like me, for lack of better words, uh, make them see that I'm a good human being, business just naturally took over for her. Um, and she did really, really well. So we we did about a million in premium year one, uh, which we were ecstatic about. You know, a good year at Allstate for me was about 300000 350000 You know, my last year as an agency owner, I think I wrote like 370000 in premium. And I was like one of the top percent in the nation, just for reference, you know, that if you do 370, 400 at Allstate, you're top percent in the nation. Then you flip over to this world and within, you know, 12 months, you're 2x that plus your commissions are higher. So it was, it was kind of one of those things that we'd always heard the grass was greener on the other side, but then we really learned like, wow, the grass is greener and these yep. underwriters care about you and they're going to help you place the risk versus coming from the captive world. It's like, you're against your own teammates. You know, you call an underwriter at Allstate and they know you don't have any other options. So yeah, they're your adversary on the captive side. You, you have to, you have to bend them to your will. Absolutely. And we've had that conversation on a different episode of how, you know, managing your underwriter relationships as a captive is, I mean, it could not be more different than it is on the, uh, on the independent side, obviously. You know, and, hey, and, and that's what we really learned and that's what we loved about it. Can, can I pivot real quick before we don't go into the details of uh, what it was like? Because I've got a couple of questions I want to ask about just getting off the ground because, you know, people that are listening to this podcast that are still on the captive side of the world that haven't made the jump yet, that that startup period is definitely a, a point of, of anxiety and, and even fear for some people of, how am I going to do that? Because, you know, on the captive side, they do so many things for you. Yep. Uh, they they provide so many different resources where the, the carrier is just checking boxes for you left and right. So, I, I want to get into some of that. But before I do, I want to camp out for a few minutes on the referral game because that is one consistent thread. Uh, and I've, I've been aware of you and, and, you know, following your content for several years and, one consistency with Corey and his team is you guys absolutely smoke the referral game. 
you're doing it at a really high level. You've got referrals figured out. So, you know, back when you're an Allstate agent, talk to me about the way that you went about building out your approach uh, to the referrals, specifically to these, you know, personal lines, channel partners, the traditional realtors and LOs, everybody knows that is a, a mainstay of PNC insurance referrals. But you're also into, uh, you said, uh, the trust officers and wealth managers and whatnot. I'd love to hear you talk about it in, in really specific detail, if you can, your approach to generating interest from channel partners. And, and specifically, how do you stand out in the tidal wave of insurance agent beggars who are coming along trying to win referrals? That's a great question. And, and honestly, if you had to ask me my one key to success, um, it's been my referral partners. And it's been my ability to generate organic business that's sticky and that you close at a super high rate. You know, we had a six year track record of closing at 47%, which some people will say, you know, hey, we close at 70%, but we were generating 120, 140, 150 referrals a year or a month, excuse me. So, I was okay with the 50%. So to your question, like, what do I attribute that to? It's just kind of that, you know, the, the mantra kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. I wasn't in there wowing these guys with bottles of wine or sweet tickets to the Chiefs game. It was a simple conversation of, hey, you might not need me now and you might not never need me, but one day your client might need me. And I just want to be that tool in your tool belt based off our relationship that you can send them to me. And you know that even if we're not a good spot for them, we're going to be honest with them and we're going to tell them that. Um, and the lack of pushiness, but the confidence that we conveyed that message, I think is really what they kind of bought into. Because a lot of people that know me on that group or in my personal life, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, which the right lenders, agents, CPAs, CFEs, whatever, they can see that. And they can see that. I'm rough around the edges, but I'm an honest person and I'm going to work for the client. And so that's really what it boils down to because we started giving out, we were doing the gift cards. Uh, every referral you send us, you get 20 bucks or something like that. And we soon learned that that's just icing on the cake for these guys. These mortgage lenders that make a quarter million dollars a year, they're not sending us business for a $20 Starbucks gift card. So we actually stopped doing that based off a conversation I had with Matt and Zach up in Boston because they are 100% anti-gift card, you know, and uh, yeah. I, I it was a paradigm shift. Like, I'm not saying anti-gift cards the right way. I'm not saying giving gift cards the right way, but I was able to kind of step aside and look at it from the other side. Um, and so we just, we concentrated on providing value to those people because it can never be a tick for tack type thing as every insurance agent knows, you know, you can't get in bed with a lender and a real estate agent and say, I'm sending you all my leads. You send me all your leads. We're both going to make a lot of money um, because we need them. They don't necessarily need us in that process. To your point, yeah. the insurance agent vultures, they've got 10 people walking in their, their office a month, you know, trying to get their business. So I, I kind of spider webbed the approach as well. Right. So by happenstance, you know, two of my very best friends to this day, one was a very successful real estate agent. One was a very successful mortgage lender. So I would essentially go to the real estate agent and say, hey, who are the best mortgage lenders that you work with? And he'd say, you know, Jim, Bob, and Steve. So I'd call Jim, Bob, and Steve and say, hey, I work with Mike. He had great things to say about you guys. Can I grab a coffee? But then I would ask those guys, hey, I know you work with Mike, but who are the other real estate agents that you work with? And then they would tell me 
Dan, Bill, and Kevin. So then I'd go sit down with Dan, Bill, and Kevin. And I would kind of take the shotgun approach because I will get a coffee with anybody um, and just sit down and spend three bucks and chat, chat about our kids, chat about our lives, chat about what we do, and just see if there's kind of that reciprocated relationship of, hey, I'm not asking you for anything. You're not asking me for anything. If we can help you or we, you can help us, let's just keep that door open. Um, yeah. Which sounds so like elementary because people think they need to go in there and wow them and do all this type of stuff. And they're just like us. You know, the way I always kind of related it was for like Safe Flight Auto Blast. Do you guys use Safe Flight down there in Texas, James? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Safe Flight and Fast Glass are the two vendors that are uh, dominate the market down here. Good. And so the way I always referred, I told them was like, I've referred Safe Flight probably a thousand times in my 14 year career. Do you know how many times they've referred me? Zero. Zero. But I refer them because they're going to go out to my client. They're going to take care of them. They're going to go to their house. They're going to get the windshield in. So my client thinks I am the hero by working with that vendor. So I wanted to shift a lot of these mortgage lenders and referral sources to that exact same thing that if you refer them to Corey or Kristen or Scott or Stephanie or whoever, we're going to make you look good and we're going to give them something they have to get. So if we can just take one thing off of that checklist for them, because as you know, when you're buying a home, there's 30 things that the lender's requesting the real estate agent needs. So like we can just check that one box and make this seamless for them. So that's what we focused on, the value we can provide versus what we're going to do for that lender on the back end. No, that makes sense, man. I love it. Are there any any specific talking points that you remember that you, you, you feel comfortable sharing as far as you know items in that conversation? And maybe it's a one-liner, maybe it's a, a tip or a trick or something that you have found to be really useful when you're sitting down in that get-to-know-you conversation. Is there one go-to question that you just love to bring up every time or really any kind of best practice when, when you're trying to establish that value, that connection with the channel partner? Yeah, I think it's seeing how they operate, how they do business. So, hey, mortgage lender, real estate, you're like, tell me about how you go and find your ideal client, right? If they say it's through referrals from my church, well, I automatically know that those are going to be solid referrals and I like the avenue they're working. If they say I spend $2,500 a month Zillow ad spend, that's probably not the avenue I want to go with my client just because that client that clicks on a Zillow ad is the same client that's going to click on a flashing Geico ad. And I don't want clients who are going to just try to jump ship for $4 a month. I want them to see the value in having their insurance. And let's be real. We don't sell a sexy product. Nobody walks out of our office, like jumping up and down with their new ID card. Like they don't, it's not sexy. <laughs> so like it's, you know, and, and no. they don't care about me and they don't care about Casey insurance group. And they don't care about travelers until they need something. And then all of a sudden it's a, Oh man, I got in an accident. I probably don't have rental car coverage. Do I? No, no, we added that on there for you. Oh wow. Great. You know, it's like they kind of come into that conversation thinking like, Oh God, like let me figure out where my, lapses are in coverages and like to kind of reinforce it. No, no, we did everything on the front end. That's why you worked with us. We did all of this stuff that you need. Like, remember when I asked you if you had a finished basement, I essentially asked you if you needed a water backup. And I, you know, like we ask kind of these questions that they provide answers that allow us to give them the product they need. Right. Because if you go to somebody and say, Hey, do you want ID theft protection and water backup and service line coverage? It's 180 bucks a year. They're going to be like, no, I don't want that. Right. But if you just kind of contort that, conversation and say, these are the endorsements that we really need around this area. It's $3 a month for this. Let me explain to you how this works in real life. Nobody 
cares about adding that on there because they see the value in it. So we just took the educational approach, the let us be in your corner. Like you work with a personal trainer because you want to lose weight. If you could lose weight by yourself, you would go to the gym, right? And that's kind of the the same thing that we take on insurance. Like, hey, you can click on travelers.com and get your own policy, but there's a reason you're working with us. It's because we are the professional that's in your corner. And kind of having that moxie and that composure, the good agents, lenders, whoever, they see that. They want that confidence, right? You know, the the way I kind of always relay it is that if you're going to go buy a brand new Ford truck and there's five Ford dealerships in your area, but you know that the best Ford dealership is this one and the best salesman is that guy, if you have a choice, who are you going to work with? You're going to work with the self-proclaimed, the award-winning, best salesman, best Ford dealership, even though he can sell you the same truck that everybody else can. So yep. that's what we took, you know, when we tied ourselves to our referrals, you know, we entered into these relationships with these referrals saying, hey, if you send me a lead, that means you trust me, right? And I'm going to use that. You know, I'm going to, when I call the client and say, hey, you worked with this real estate agent. He's one of the best in Kansas City. We do his personal insurance as well. Uh, and we take the assumption that this deal's already done. Like, you're not reaching out to us just to quote shop or price shop or stuff like that. You're, you're reaching out to us because this is a referral from somebody you trust and that we're in your corner. So we, we take it as that we're already starting on second base. And that's what we want to do is that we want to, build the relationship that we've essentially already established off a five-minute email or a five-minute phone call. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved. No, I, I absolutely love where you're going with that, man. Follow-up question to that is, and this is a throwback to San Diego. You know, when I was brand new in the industry on, on I shouldn't say industry, in the IA channel, uh, Innovation in San Diego in January of 2020 was my very first time experiencing life on the IA side. And one of those keynote speakers was you on stage wearing a Chiefs jersey, if I remember correctly. yeah. And you gave a keynote on how to write a million dollars in premium right off of the backs of organic referrals from LOs and realtors. Uh, we don't need to rehash the entirety of that uh, because you just gave us you know, a large portion of it condensed in, in that blurb you just gave us just a second ago. Uh, what has changed since then? In the last two years that you've been uh, you know, doing what you do uh, week in and week out, month in and month out. Uh, what what do you think now 
in a post-COVID world? Anything you want to update about that keynote uh, and the, the things that you are finding work best with channel partners today in 2022 and beyond? So, yeah, that's a great question. I, I almost feel like we doubled down without having to double down. And what I mean by that is in, in the COVID world, you know, because as you know, San Diego is about two or three, four weeks right before the whole world shut down. Yeah. I thought had that no people, idea. Yeah. I, right. Like I feel that the clients, the referral sources with the world kind of, you know, on fire around them, they wanted as much security in any avenue they could get. Right. So the clients, the lenders, the agents, the carrier reps, like, we doubled down on those relationships at that point in time saying, Hey, this world's crazy. We don't know what's going on. Like, what can we do to help you guys? And then the refi boom took off and the refi boom was absolutely, obviously amazing for us, but amazing for mortgage lenders. But here's something we did that kind of ties into our past, but really propelled us into the future. So I am a numbers geek as far as tracking where things go. You know, my, my commissions year over year, you know, what agents closing at higher leads, but via agency zoom, I had been able to track my referrals for years. So like I said, we were getting on a horrible month, we'd get about 80 referrals on a great month, about 150, 175. So I could go into agency zoom and say, okay, lender a sent us 37 leads that we closed in the last year. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to every one of these clients and say, Hey, I worked with Chad. You worked with Chad. He referred us. This is a really crazy time right now. If you've heard about the refi rates, let me know. And I emailed every single one of those clients and I looped in the lender that referred them. And I said, hey, I just wanted to loop in your lender and just let you know about these refi options. I probably, and I don't say this patting myself on the back, but this kind of brainstorming idea, I bet I sold 50 to 100 refis for 10 to 20 different lenders in Kansas City purely by just a simple email introducing them and finally being able to give back to those lenders on some leads. Because most people, and I say most, probably 90% of lenders, agents, wealth planners, CPAs, insurance agents, they don't know where a lot of their business comes from. They might have an Excel spreadsheet or it might be tagged in their CRM system. But to be able to quickly aggregate data like that, it was an overwhelming response from these lenders just saying, Hey, thank you. Like that was, I, I wrote three refis last month because of that. And that made me 6,000, $8,000, $12,000. So when COVID hit, we just used this as an opportunity to be there for these people. Um, and we didn't skip a beat, you know, and I think a lot of people in the insurance world didn't skip a beat, which I kind of feel bad saying, because I know it was horrible for a lot of jobs, businesses, families, but we were still able to do what we did purely because that's how we built our business, right? Like we weren't building it on Google AdWords or Facebook or stuff like that. Whereas we had those natural relationships with these people and it was easy for us just to check in and double down, you know, just, Hey, it's a crazy world. Do you need anything from us? Like literally anything. What can we do? You know, Oh, you lost your job. Okay. Hey, I'm going to send you a $50 pizza gift card and just get your family dinner because we were just throwing stuff up against the wall, trying to make it stick. But we knew at the end of the day, our intentions were to help. And it was that mm -hmm. simple help, whether it's monetary, whether it's get them what they need, whether it's make an introduction, because we didn't know what was coming around the corner. It's that kind of outside the box thinking that separates the winners from the losers, honestly, or separately, not just winners from losers, but separates the people that are uh, mediocre 
and just middle of the road versus the people that dominate and excel and take market share and have whatever they want to achieve. I love that, man. That that creativity is fantastic. We all need more of that. Yeah, Anything else you want to talk about encourage. on the referral side? Um, you know, let me answer that in one second. Like, that's what I would encourage people to do is like, everybody wants the silver bullet, you know, that, hey, how do you do it? And they want to just be handed that magic pill, right? Like, think of weight loss. Hey, I can work out at the gym five days a week, or I can take this pill at night. Which, what do most people want? They want, they don't want to put in the hard work, the effort. They want to take the pill to get the results they want. And that's where we were kind of, you know, opposite of that. You know, when I spoke at San Diego, I feel like every vendor, speaker, something like that was talking about how to automate the process and simplify it and remove the human from it. Um, and I kind of turned my back on that, you know, and the, the yeah. quote that I've said a few times since then was like, you can't automate eye contact. You can't automate a handshake. You can't automate a phone call. So we really just said, okay, it doesn't cost us any money at all just to follow up with that client that got in the accident two weeks ago. And like, and I'm not talking like a pre-generated claims email. I'm saying like, Bill, I know you got in that accident. You know, you were leaving dinner with your wife. How did everything go? Is she Okay. And just little things like that would just reinforce the relationship that saving $10 a month can't take away. Hmm. Man, that, that personal touch, the, the combination of thoughtful use of technology with being personally engaged in the process and, and demonstrating actual real empathy, I think that that goes so far to making that human connection because it's, it's such a cliche, man. It's so trite. Uh, when, when you say, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. But if you, if you deploy that authentically, I think it just makes such a difference because someone can tell when they are not important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, someone can tell when you're just going through the motions. They really can. So I, I think that is is just essential because yes, absolutely, automation is critically important, especially when you're early stage, especially when you're trying to get something scratch off the ground. Maybe you can't afford to hire staff yet. You have to automate. If you don't, then you're going to be hindering your growth. And you're not going to be able to scale like you need to and, and want to. But if you over automate, then you're going to lose that personal touch and people are going to feel that, you know, it was a robot. <laughs> and there's certain things, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I'm i pretty sure certain things, the insured doesn't care if they recognize it's an automated email. If it's nothing but a simple notification that something happened, or, hey, just want to let you know, here's your status update on such and such. I don't know if they care that it's automated. But when it's something that should be personal and it seems robotic, I think that's a huge miss. Absolutely. And that's that's what I took away from IAOA was I was 100% anti-automation. I just I didn't like it. And a lot of that was due to my ignorance. Like of I thought that to your point. I don't want a robot working for me. But then I learned to your point that, hey, if it's an automated email 60 days before their renewal telling them that we're getting this, we're going to look at it, we're going to see what opportunities we have, 
they just want to know that somebody has an eye out for their best interest. Even if you say, hey, man, I'm sorry, rates went up 20%. It sucks. You just letting them know that you were proactive on this and saying, we tried everything. This is what we have. That's all they want to know. It's that simple. You know, it's like your cable bill, right? Like, I mean, your cell phone bill, whatever. If it goes up four bucks a month, I'm not going to cancel my coverage. But would it be cool if AT&T said, hey, this is why we're doing this. You know, we appreciate you being our client. I would like that because they know that I'm not going to leave just pure metrics at the same time, like just, you know, eat, softening the blow a little bit is what we try to do and just really relay that, you know, and that's where my passion comes in because I don't have anything special. And when I say that, like, I truly don't like, I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the best looking person. I don't have a carrier that nobody else has. So like we are literally competing with probably 80 to 100 other agencies within 30 miles. What can we do different? And what we can do different is care. It's, it's literally that simple. Like there's no paid coaching program. There's no paid mentorship. There's no paid automation. It's literally just care. And I learned that from, you know, a few real estate agents that were in the more competitive market that the reason they were successful is they do things differently and they do things differently without spending money. They pick up the phone on the birthday and make a phone call and people, the clients I wanted, that's what they appreciated more than saving $7 a month. You know, they didn't care if they were paying an extra $20 at renewal, but they wanted to know that if they had a phone, if they made had a question and they made a phone call, they wanted an answer. And they wanted to know that we were proactively looking out for their best interests. And that's the message I ingrained in every single one of my people is that mm. you can write as much business as you want. But if it's walking out the back door at the renewal, it doesn't matter to us. So let's just focus on generating those great leads, doing some upfront underwriting just to make sure that they're good for us. Because, you know, something I've kind of always said is that if they're going to be a pain in your ass in your first 30 seconds, they're going to be a pain in the ass the next 30 years, the client is, you know? So yep. you, you know, when I, and that was a total like change for me because at Allstate, I had to write everything, you know, somebody would call me with a 30 year old motorhome in a liability only car. Well, I had to hit my numbers and I had to beg this person for their business. But on the flip side, we'll still take those leads all day long, but we want to make sure that they want the value of an agent versus just getting something they need to close their loan. Because yeah. that's the value we can provide. Anybody can write them an insurance policy. We're so governed by the state insurance department that it doesn't matter if you're a traveler, Safeco, State Farm, Allstate. If there's a tornado and your house gets knocked down and everybody's got your house insured for $300,000, you are going to get 300000 But like the process, let's make that process better, right? Yeah. You, know, you know, it's going to a nice steakhouse. Like I don't mind spending 80 bucks on a steak, but I want a waiter that knows this stuff, right? I want a clean table. I want to feel my food. It's coming out hot and fresh and I'll pay that versus yep. here's your steak, you know? And so that's what we really tried to provide to them. Now, the, the talking points that we have believed for a long time, but we have not been really intentionally communicating uh, to the insureds. We, we, we've had the conversation of uh, level one is price. Level two is product. Level three is the problems that we solve. And we've started explicitly stating uh, to the the prospective client in discovery, you know, once we you know identify, hey, what's uh what's going on? What can we what can we help you with? Oh, I need I need a quote for homeowners. 
Great. Glad to hear it. We, we're probably uh, happy to help with that. What, what has you shopping today? Blah, blah, blah. We, we go through the basic discovery and then there's a pivot in the discovery uh, near the middle of it where it says, hey, do you mind if I give you a little bit of information about who we are as a company and how we operate? Because there's some things that we do differently. That's exactly like word for word from our script. And they always say, well, yeah, sure. Because this is after we've invited them to talk about themselves for a little bit and give us some backstory and whatnot. And we will tell them explicitly, look, here, here's the thing. There's three ways of making an insurance buying decision. We believe that price uh, is level one and product is level two. And the overall client experience with the problems that we help you solve, that's level three. Now, let's start with level one. Like, We are absolutely never going to be the lowest possible price. I'll tell you right now, before we do any quoting for you, before we go to market, before we close, before your client, whatever, we are never going to be the cheapest price. Never. Not sometimes, not, you know, most of the time, never. Our office is never going to deliver you the cheapest price. You know how I know that? Because we don't write state minimum ever. We don't strip out necessary endorsements ever. And so we have that conversation condensed. I just gave you a little bit more lengthy version of it, obviously. Uh, but then level two is is product. I'll tell you right now, there's nothing special about the companies that we represent. We are well equipped. We have all the companies we need to have in our marketplace. But you can get those same companies from 25 other agents in a 10-mile radius, probably a lot more than 25, but we use those numbers for whatever whatever reason. But just I find there's so much value in explicitly telling someone up front, we're not going to be the lowest price. And there's nothing special about the insurance company. But why people choose to work with RiskWell, why we have almost 350 Google reviews, uh, is the experience, the overall look and feel of being a RiskWell client, the urgency in communication, the, the personal touch that someone is sitting at a desk eager to deliver you a good outcome. And like communicating that to the insured, I feel like it just takes the legs out from underneath so much crap that people put out in these conversations where, oh, we'll save you money. Oh, can I take a look at your stuff when all they're going to talk about is coverage and cost? Well, I noticed that your deductible is such and such. Or, oh, they don't have uh, service line coverage. Well, so what? 20 carriers have service line coverage. Like, I think that is so important as embedded insurance becomes more of a thing and so many of these different players enter the arena so to speak we as independent agents really have to up our game it's important on commercial but for you especially as a, a very high percentage personal lines agency uh risk well is 27 28 personal lines so it's not as important for us it's still very important but it's not an existential threat like it is for a lot of agencies. And I would imagine you guys feel the pressure to, to innovate your sales process and you know ha- have those kinds of conversations too. I'd love to get your take on that. No, and that's, that's you know, we see it the same way. Um, we actually think, to your point, step one and step two of the price and the product are a moot point. It's that simple because we say that to people. We say, there's 50 travelers agents. If you give them the exact same information, you're going to get the exact same quote. So the playing field is absolutely level. We do not have the ability like a used car salesman or a car dealership to knock off 500 bucks when the guy across the road can't. So with those being a moot point, 
Let's talk about what we can give you they can't. And that's my team. Hey, we have a team here that has a lot of experience in this. We know what we're doing. We work with the best lenders in town, the best real estate agents in town. There's a reason that the number one insurance agent or the number one Keller Williams group in town only refers us because they know that all things being equal, we can give a better customer experience, which is kind of a buzzword right now. And I hate saying that stuff like culture and things like that. But that's what we could offer them. You know, that to your point, hey, if we're the cheapest, that's the cherry on top. Like that's the that's the that's the great thing. You know, my goal is to tell you what you need and how this is going to work moving forward. If you want to raise a deductible to save some money, that's fantastic. But my job is to help you out. And I've said this so many times, a good no is better than a bad yes sometimes. You know, there's times where you kind of throw a quote out there and they're like, yeah, sure, sign it. And you're like, okay, hold on. Like, we haven't even really went over this. Like, I want you to understand what you're buying. On the flip side, there's times where you talk to somebody for 45 minutes and at the end of it, they say, you know what? My dad's been with State Farm for 30 years. And honestly, it's going to be awkward at Sunday dinner if I don't go to State Farm. I love you. I will come to you at some point in time. And then you'll get two referrals from that person down the road, right? So a bad no or a good no is better than a bad yes, because sometimes people just want to check the box for their closing statement that they've got insurance. And and don't get me wrong. There's times where you know time is a very sensitive commodity and we yep. need to kind of rush the sales process a little quicker than we would want to. But even in those situations, we make sure that they understand that, hey, we're going through this on hyperspeed, but once you get settled in that house, let's just run through this policy again to make sure we did not lo- overlook anything and you understand what you purchased. Because the the last time you want to do a policy review is right after a claim and you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that everything is has been done the right way. So I couldn't agree with you more. Price and product are irrelevant to me. Um, I've never written a policy because Travelers was giving us an override or Safeco had a bonus for us. We just put the client in the right spot and it helps out. You know, money has always been a byproduct to me of doing the right process. So if you just do the right process, the money comes. But so many people focus on the end result of the money that they can't focus on step one, two, and three, right? They step, they focus on step eight and that's getting their commission statement where we've kind of reverse engineered that and said, the commissions come in. Like I I couldn't tell you what carriers pay what amount of money. I, I literally could not do that. Um, yeah. To your point, I mean, Encompass, I don't know if you guys have Encompass in Texas. Encompass yeah. used to pay 18, 20%. We'd write maybe two or three households a year with them because their underwriting stunk, their their product stunk, their technology stunk. So it was never about the money yeah. for us. It was about just doing the right thing for the client. And like I said, you know, I'm beating a dead horse. The right clients appreciate that. The right clients will get a quote and say, Hey, they, they tried to sell me Encompass. It's $200 less than the traveler's quote. Why shouldn't I go with Encompass? Well, hey, let me point out some things that I put on there that Encompass can't do that we will do. So you don't even, you totally throw out the $200 of savings and say, hey, 200 bucks is 200 bucks. I get it. You know, especially in today's world, saving money is a big deal. With yep. that being said, you know, you can save money on the front end or you can save money on the back end. You know, our replacement cost is 30 grand higher. Our deductible is $1,000 less, you know, and then you can kind of reinforce that and, you're not going to sell everybody on value. It's just that simple. There's people that are on budgets. There's people that don't care and they only focus on the bottom dollar. And that's okay. We have those on our book of business. We'll always have those on our book of business. But the meat and potatoes of Casey Insurance Group was the clients who wanted to listen to us. You know, we can't make them take the endorsements we suggest, but just at least have that conversation so I can walk away from it saying, I told them everything they needed to know. 
They asked the right questions. I'm going to put this on their side because I feel I educated them at a level that they can make a conscious decision. Love it. So I'm going to go ahead and pivot real quick in these last few minutes of the of the interview here because I think there's some really useful insight that you can provide uh, freedom jumpers who are really early stage and maybe even are still on the captive side because you launched in 2016 and you went like a rocket ship. When you launched Casey Insurance Group, obviously you had some good momentum because you were able to carry over a lot of your connections from the Allstate side. You alluded to some real challenges in the first six weeks. Maybe you went a little too aggressive on hiring people right out of the gate. Uh, I'd love for you to talk about uh, the launch of Casey Insurance Group, maybe your first year, first 18 months. As you look back on it, uh, what are some things that you would do differently a second time? What, what are some uh, maybe decisions that you would change if you had the opportunity and uh, give some advice on where some of the landmines are? Yeah. So something that we were horrible about doing was getting up to speed before we opened and hired employees. So we started getting independent contracts in probably the summer of 2015. And we opened the doors January 1st of 2016. So looking back of it, I would have been way more proactive on learning everything I could from the summer of 2015 to when we opened the door. So I understood it a little better because that was the biggest hiccup for me in this was, okay, I used to know the Allstate, you know, quoting system and their CRM with my eyes closed. I could literally close, close my eyes and, and tab through it. Now I have to learn about travelers and Safeco and who does a wind hail deductible, who does a percentage deductible. So I just kind of went into it throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall. And if it's stuck, then we ran with it a little harder. Um, so I would make sure that selling insurance is secondary on this side. It's just that simple. Going from a captive world to IA, you are going to sell more insurance. You're going to have higher retention. You're going to have a better close ratio. That That is a absolute gimme. So those are the things I worried about. Those are the things that naturally happen. So I would have taken a more proactive approach to feeling secure day one that if I got these leads, because that's the thing, you know, not to hop back and forth. I was, you know, literally day one, January 2nd of 2016, I was getting internet. I was getting leads from my lenders. Uh, and it's like, okay, uh, I don't even know how to use EasyLink shit. I don't really know how to bind a policy in travelers. Um, and so we were behind the eight ball and we were learning a lot as we went. Plus, we were trying to train two people, you know, that we had guaranteed salaries to, you know, we, when I sold my Allstate agency, you know, I thought I made a lot of money at that point in time. And I rolled a lot of it into Casey Insurance Group. So I started thinking, okay, we're good. And then all of a sudden, that first year, first six months, first year, that bank account does one thing and one thing only. It goes down, <laughs> it goes down, and it goes down, and it goes down. Because purely, you're, I was locked into three salaries. I was locked into a lease. I was locked into these contracts or I was locked, you know, with my VoIP system, my internet. So I would understand your financials getting into it and understand that if you've been successful at State Farm, Farm Bureau, Farmers, you're going to be successful on this side and you don't need to go zero to a hundred in that first 60 days. And that's what I wanted to do. Just the type of person I am. You know, I'm more motivated by uh, a trophy than I am a commission report, right? Like I wanted to be the best agency in Kansas. And that's what motivated me every single morning to get up versus the commission report. Because I knew in the back of my mind at that point in time, I had done insurance for seven, eight years. I knew that I could talk the talk, walk the walk. I could do it all. 
but I wanted to be the number one person right away. And so I think just kind of understanding that there's going to be some mountains in front of you. None of it's going to be anything you can't do, but you just got to take it one step at a time. Lean into your carrier reps. Um, I have some fantastic carrier reps here in Kansas City that I did not use at the very beginning to the level that they were there for. So I would just understand there's going to be challenges. But if you believe in yourself and you want to bet on yourself, which is something I love doing, failure motivates me, um, you're going to be okay. And you just got to take it one day at a time. And you have to understand that it's not going to be what you came from. Um, And this is change. And change is hard. And change is difficult. And change is everything but rainbows and butterflies, right? I mean, but once you can kind of push past that entry stage, you, based off your foundation and knowledge, are going to be successful. So I know that's kind of a beating around the bush way of answering your question, but you got to trust your gut. You can't sit there and wonder about, oh man, did I make the right decision? That's natural. It's going to creep in. But you got to push those thoughts aside. You got to remember, why did I leave State Farm to go open ABC Insurance Group? Why did I do that? Oh, because I wanted more freedom. Okay, I have more freedom. Okay, now that I got what I want, Okay, how can I be successful? You know, these are so many tools. You know, in, in IAOA, I attribute to so much success because I can ask real people real questions and get real answers in real time. It, it's that simple. You know, if I if I ping my carrier rep at two o'clock on a Tuesday, I'm hoping to get an email back by five o'clock, but I'll most likely get one back on Wednesday. Whereas you can hop on IAOA, you can text these other agency owners and say, "How do I handle this situation?" and just Real people that have been in the war with you versus somebody who says, this is how I would do it based off a book I read. Um, So lean into your resources. Don't be afraid to take two steps backwards knowing that you can take five steps forward. And if you believe that, everything else will fall into place. You have a good enough support system around you that we don't want to see you fail. When I say we, I mean like IAOA. You know, I mean, there's there's times where I see the most rudimentary questions being asked on there. And at first I'm like, why is this guy an insurance agent? He shouldn't be asking that question. But I'm like, you know what? This guy's probably two months into something. He took a leap of faith. He's betting on himself. And then you see 40 people answer the question, the same answer, but in different ways. That's That's the beauty of it. It's like, just because Matt and Zach or Brandon or Wes or Nick Ayers or Dave Jack or any of these guys, just because you guys might have the same numbers, they might do things differently. And there's more than one way to skin a cat in these type of situations. So just understanding that there's going to be growth pains, but focus on the prize, focus on why you did this and you'll get to where you want to be, which kind of is going to segue into part two of where do you want to be, right? Are you starting a family business that you want to be around for 60 years? Are you starting a residual income business that you can sell down the road? Um, Are you wanting to bring in a partner? Are you wanting to get absorbed? Like, you don't need to know that day one, but you also need to kind of understand like what the perfect insurance agency life looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I mean? That providing financial freedom was one of the big reasons I, I made that big hop over there. And it did that, you know? And so, you know, I know we, we got a little long winded here, but, um, no, this is really good, man. I, I love the flow of this episode because it's all really, really actionable. We're we're not really talking theoretical. We're not talking concepts in this episode. It's very grounded and very practical. And 
I think these are the kind of episodes that people really appreciate because you can take it and deploy it in your agency right now and make a difference. And and just so you know, Freedom Jumper, you know, listening out there, you've probably noticed if you've been paying close attention, uh, several times Corey has used uh, past tense verbs. And that's because uh, a, a transition a few months ago uh, happened for Casey Insurance Group. Uh, Corey allowed his company to be acquired. And that's where we're going to end part one of this interview uh, because he's still in the middle of that process and uh, has learned a lot, I'm sure. Uh, and he's not able yet uh, for you know, outside concerns to speak freely on that subject, but he will be at some point in the future. And as soon as he green lights it, uh, we're going to have him back uh, to talk about part two about uh, the acquisition and what he's learned in that process and what comes next uh, for, for Casey Insurance Group and Corey and his team. So, uh, Corey, as we land the plane, any final thoughts here? Absolutely not, man. It was a very free-flowing conversation. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, I hope I provided some actionable steps that you can implore right away, deploy, not implore, uh, that don't cost you any money. And that, that's, that's what I've always tried to give back is like, I didn't have the most resources. I didn't have the most staff. I didn't have the most automation, but you know, the elbow grease, the wake up and go do it type mentality. If you've got that mentality, I can give you 500 nuggets or things I've done that I've failed at or I've succeeded at that you can do if you just want to go do them. And that's the twist I want to put on the industry. There's no catch. There's no subscribe to this. There's no, you need to spend a thousand dollars on these six systems. It's purely what I did, what I do can be overlaid to any single person that listens to this podcast. It's just, do you have the grit to go do it? Because sometimes it's not sexy. You know, I mean, writing your, your staff payroll checks on a 22% interest credit card check is not fun. It's not Ooh. sexy. But you know what I needed to do? I needed to pay them that Friday. And I didn't have any money in the bank. But I knew where I was going. So I wasn't looking at where I was at. I was looking at where I was going. So James, absolutely amazing conversation. Um, if anybody is going through the acquisition game right now, please don't hesitate to reach out. You know, I I essentially sold to one of the big conglomerates out there. You know, there's six or seven big players. The one piece of advice I would give you, don't do this by yourself. Hire a business broker. Um, the process was about a 120-day process where they looked at every aspect of my books, commission statements, carrier reports, everything. I would have punted on that day one because I just don't have that analytical mindset. So if you are going to do this or you're thinking about doing this, because let's be real, the market is paying some outrageous prices right now, get somebody that knows what they do in your corner. Just like a good attorney, just like a good CPA, they will save you more money than they will ever cost you. So I don't care how smart you are, what your college degree is, how long you've been doing this. You most likely can't navigate those waters by yourself. Yeah, nor should you. You know, we always, we always talk about people uh, needing to appreciate value, you know, and the clients that we want to work with not making a price-based decision insurance agents are some of the cheapest people yes. in the history of the world. I can't tell you how many times someone has gone, well, I'm just going to do it myself. Oh, I don't, I don't want to hire for that. It's too expensive. I'm like, how much is your time worth? 
You no, know, I just do not do that. The other day. It's like I can plant a garden and grow some food or I can go to the grocery store and buy it. Right. Like I don't want to garden. I don't want to plant seeds. I don't want to kill bugs. I don't want to pick weeds and I don't want to spend hours, hundreds of dollars, all this stuff to grow a cucumber. I want to run to the grocery yeah. store and grab that cucumber. Right. So I think unless you're Michael Overstreet and then you do it just because you enjoy it because you're just weird like that in such a beautiful way. But yeah. yeah, shout out to you, Mike. Love your garden. Your backyard <laughs> oasis is glorious. And I will never have anything that pretty in my backyard. Not at all. Not at all. Well, <laughs> hey, James, I got to run, brother. I really appreciate the time and I look forward to doing episode two. Sounds great, my man. I really appreciate it. Corey Schnabel from Kansas City. Thanks for being on AFP. And uh, boys and girls, this has been the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day out there. And we will talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore, because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. 
You can ask for me personally. I'll do that demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.